Hello, everybody. It's Waterproof Records time. Happy to have you here with me. I don't know if you're watching the show, but there's a couple things happening in my environment right now. One, I have the Vilumi. Vilumi, that's what it is, on display, which people ask me about all the time. This is such a cool project that was sent to me that illuminates vinyl records. It's awesome. Um, I'll link it in the episode. Um, I hadn't had it up for a while because I've had guests, and you can't really see it when I have Zooms. Um, but I remembered to set it up this time and you can see I've got um, Pinkerton on vinyl sitting here. We're not talking about that record, but it's just a nice colorful record that I thought would look great. And then the other thing is another thing that's changed about me is I have a tattoo. What? If you only listen to the show, then you can't see it. But I got a tattoo since last time I did a show and it's on my left arm. I've made videos about it. If you haven't seen me yet, it's pretty funny because one, I share the experience about going to get it from Jim Sylvia um, here in Los Angeles at Edgewood, which he did an awesome job. He did my design, but, um, I posted the video about getting the tattoo, but I also posted a video of me showing me showing my mom and dad on a zoom call. If you haven't seen that, it is adorable. I highly recommend you go watch it. It still cracks me up. And I, I had a FaceTime with them just recently where they found out, like I didn't let them know that I put it on there. And then my cousin sent it to my mom and she's like, what? She couldn't believe it. Um, anyway, I just wanted to tell you that. And then the last thing I wanted to tell you is that this environment kind of shifts and changes every time. I'm, I'm, I really do want to make something more consistent here. Um, so those that do watch the show, um, trying to build kind of a, a waterproof record set here, but I'll get there eventually. But like I said, we're not talking about Pinkerton today. I will do an episode on that one. Um, I, the only reason that the album that we're talking about today isn't on display is one, I don't own it on vinyl. I should. And two, I'm not sure if the vinyl for this album is see-through. That's the thing about what I have displayed on here is it has to be one of those splatters or see-throughs or whatever, because that's the only way you're going to see the colors. Um, but let's dig into it, y'all. Let's get into the show. I wanted, it's time to talk about Dookie by Green Day. Let's go. Things are going to change. I can feel it. If this going to be that kind of fight, it So we're going to dig into this album, but first I'm going to tell you about DistroKid. You've been listening to the show for a while, so you've heard me talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it again because I want you to know if you're not taking advantage of it, you should. DistroKid.com slash VIP slash waterproof, and it gets you 30% off your first year of uploading music on that service. Great service. They have an iOS app. You can do splits between different artists that you recorded with. You can check on your money, your income. You can see how many people are listening to you. It's just really the easiest and fastest way to get on Tidal, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, um, everywhere. So you should be using it, distrokid.com slash VIP slash waterproof. Um, I use them for my music. Um, I'm excited to say I've already started laying down some demos on my next work, and I'm excited that uh, probably next year you'll be hearing those. And it'll definitely be on DistroKid. So check them out. I love them. They're amazing, and I, this show wouldn't be possible without them. But now it's time to get into this 1994 album classic and maybe one that some of you are like, oh, Green Day. But here's the thing. For where I was when this album came out, it was a pretty big deal, and that's what this show is all about. But I'm going to tell you something before we dig into it. 
I have a really good buddy, my dear friend Jarrett, and he reminded me because sometimes I know I do this on the show. So forgive me. I, I tend to fixate on trolls and negativity and naysayers to my stuff. I tend to fixate on it. And I'm sorry for doing that to you. He reminded me that if you're listening to the podcast, you're probably into the things that I make and create. And so I don't really need to spend too much time um, giving too much attention to people that don't like this stuff. So I apologize that sometimes I get on those um, those modes and those mindsets. You know, all of this and having an audience like you and support like all you amazing people, it's still relatively new to me. This I've only been making waterproof records since 2021. And it really took me a long time to become more consistent in making the show. And now that I'm more consistent and I get more guests and I put it together, I still sometimes have a hard time um, when I'm making content dealing with the fact that not everybody likes my stuff and that's okay. And I don't need to spend too much time talking about it on the show. So I'm going to do a way better job about not harping on negativity or somebody who says something bad or whatever, because you guys are here to celebrate and embrace life and music and just have a good time. So I'm going to do better about that. Um, not, not that we can't have good, deep, profound discussions about attitudes or mindsets going into certain things. I just realized that sometimes I spend too long talking about it and I don't think you guys are the problem. You're not the problem. You're waterproof records fans. You're part of this. Some of you are subscribed. I have an Instagram subscribers group um, called the Waterproof Crew, and you love this stuff so much that you like are letting me know that you want to participate more, which I love every single one of the Waterproof Crew. Um, amazing conversations, amazing community that we have over there. But I chose Green Day's Dookie. Um, first of all, just, just even just looking back on that album cover and the name Dookie. It's so asinine and so immature and in the best possible way. And having this album come across our laps in 1994, where I was at the time, let's set the stage because we've gone through Smells Like Teen Spirit has dropped and, you know, we've the grunge and the Pearl Jam and everything has gotten pretty angsty and pretty hyper serious. And at this time over the past two, two and a half years, you're coming up as a teenager and you are dealing with a lot of angst and emotions and anger and love and hate and, you know, a, a, adjusting to growing up. And then all of a sudden you get reminded that you also are a, a teenager. You're still a youth and you want to have fun. You want to laugh. You want to make dick and fart jokes and you want to like have this carefree fun. And Green Day arrived in the pop culture and in the mainstream at the perfect time for teenagers like me living in the Midwest that needed just a little bit of a break, a little bit of fun, um, a little bit of goofiness. But another thing, and I've talked about this with a lot of guests and on other shows, it opened the door about songwriting and how you could put together a song. You guys know that being somebody who loved the Smashing Pumpkins started playing guitar because I loved Metallica and I wanted to play like Kirk Hammett. All very intimidating, all very intimidating. I was challenging myself and I was learning the, the songs off Siamese Dream and going back to Gish and excited about that. But but Billy's guitar work was Billy Corgan's guitar work. Corgan, not Armstrong, was I was like, man, this is tough. This is hard. I've got to figure out this thing, you know, not the main chord structures, but like the solos and the nuances, the tones. But here was this just 
just a punch to the face pop punk album that was fun. The moment you hit play on Dookie, it's, you know, and it just opens with burnout and it's just a, a fucking blast. It's a fucking blast. And I needed that back then. And I don't know if you needed it back then, but it, it, it was great. It was great. I can very, very specifically remember the summer of that era. I think it was summer of 94. I remember being with my friends I remember that album just kind of being the thing on constantly playing in the cars. And it's just such a, 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 a fond memory. It released on February 1st, 1994. And I feel like the first video I saw, like many of you, was probably Longview. Watching Longview on, on 120 minutes or something. And at that baseline, I'm already like, okay, this is cool. He's talking about being lazy and masturbating. And I was like, uh. I can relate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is, this is coming along at that age where I'm like, this guy's speaking my language and that energy, that kick ass energy, no solos. The guitar sounds great. The bass sounds great. Great. The drums sound great. You got three guys, Billy Joe Armstrong, the drummer, Trey cool. And the bassist, Mike Dern guys from the Bay area. You know, these are, these are kids from, East Bay, the punk rock scene, the Bay Area. And, you know, they're they're putting out these recordings of their band together quickly. Three days. They're they're their albums before this. Uh 39 smoothed out Slappy Hours and then Kerplunk. I said that right, right? I'm gonna make sure that I remember the name of the first album. 1039 smoothed out Slappy Hours, which was released in 1991. So here's this new band. They're throwing together records really quickly, and then they do Kerplunk. And I don't hear Kerplunk and, and uh, 1039 Smooth out Slappy Hours, which is now just shortened to 39 Smooth. Um, I don't hear them until after I hear Dookie. But I hear Longview, love the bass line, love what we're talking about. And I think I get Dookie relatively early on. And by the time Basket Case hits MTV, it's just nonstop. And if you've followed my content, you know that I made a reaction video for Basket Case. Because that was just like this this music video, which was shot stylistically. I didn't know this until recently. The music video for Basket Case was shot all in black and white. And then the reason why everything looked very hyper colored in the video is because they colored it in post-production. So it was all shot in black and white. And then that's why everything has this like really bright, otherworldly essence to it. That was shot at a real mental institution in California and an abandoned one. And they were pulling inspiration from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and from Brazil. That's what those baby masks were, were representing. And then when Mike Dirt throws out the window, that's like Cuckoo's Nest. So a lot of great references in the music video. But that thing just took the world by storm. And again, it just brought forward this energy, this teenage energy that was a nice reprieve from the heavy handed seriousness um, that was going on up until this point. And before we get into just like talking about track by track, I have to talk about a very specific window of time in my life about this album that as soon as I start thinking about Green Day's Dookie, it reminds me of such a specific story. And you guys have expressed before to me that you don't mind when I talk about, you know, things outside of the albums, that it doesn't bother you at all. And that that part of the fun of the podcast is that you're listening to my take something. So I, I feel less guilty on these tangents. But I have to tell you 
that right around the time that Dookie is coming out in that 1994, I am in a Christian band at my church called David's Cry. Okay. So already this is a great start to this story. So grew up at and went to First United Methodist Church. And I was in this band with my friends called David's Cry. And I am deciding whether or not I should play a snippet for you in the show. Um, you know what? Why not? I'm going to, well, 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 I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> I'm going to play, I may play you a, just a section of David's Cry. Um, so I'm in this band. And these are my friends that are both go to my church and some of them go to my high school or a group of guys together. But I was late to join the band. I was late. Um, my friend Peter Story, who is still to this day, one of my best friends. I've known him since I was 12 years old. Um, we've kept in touch for years. I was in his wedding. He was invited to mine. Uh, he wasn't able to make it because he was working at a theater at the time. But I, you know, like he he is such a dear friend. We've been through hell and back together and he lived out here on the West coast with me. He still lives out here on the West coast with me. Um, but he's in a different city now. But anyway, anyway, neither here nor there. Peter story, one of my best friends, he was the lead singer of this band. And then the other members of the band, um, Joel Sutliff on guitar, Eric Rath on drums. They invited me to join this band as an extra guitarist because they wanted to fill out their sound. And then they're looking for a bass player. And I have talked about my buddy, Brian Brewer before on the show. So Brian, here's another shout out to you. And you're going to, you remember this story. So I tell them, Hey, I've got this buddy, Brian, he goes to another school, but he plays guitar, but he's willing to play bass. At least that's how I remember this going down. So Brian joins David's cry. I was new. And then Brian was also new and we're in this Christian band. We're, we're playing at the church and, we decide we're going to like record an album in the church basement. And we do. And at the time it's so exciting. Cause I think we're recording on like a really nice church eight track. And, um, and all these songs that were written, all the songs that were recording for this tape were written before Brian and I were really in the band. They were songs that David's cry that Peter, Joel and Eric, and I think maybe there was another person involved at some point in time, but they, they had written these songs and they really started to bring them together. And Brian and I were enhancing them with bass lines, extra guitar parts, things that we thought would help fill up the sound. Right. So we have this summer where we're recording the album for David's cry on cassette tape in the church basement. And it's, I don't know, eight track maybe, but we have these drums, we have this setup, and this is so exciting for me at this time. This age, I can't believe I'm recording an album. I'm actually recording an album. I had never really had a chance to play with like a Tascam four track yet. That would come a couple years later when I did Vessel, which I've made videos. That was me by myself, by the way, that did that. But um, this was, I'm with a group of friends. I'm going to church and I'm recording an album with my buds, David's Cry. We're doing it for the Lord, baby. <sighs> and look, our heart was in the right place. <laughs> our heart was in the right place. We had good, good young hearts that were trying to do the right thing and, and write music that meant a lot to us at the time. And we finish it. And at the time I'm really proud of it. I think it sounds really good. Um, and there are moments, you know, there's moments, little, little cracks of light for a couple of young kiddos that, Hey, not too bad. The quality of the recording is shit, but it 
it's, you know, it wasn't great. It wasn't great equipment. We thought it was great equipment, but it wasn't. Uh, and then the drummer at the time was using, he brought in this um, piccolo snare. It just sounded weird. It just didn't work. And then the stuff I was doing was just dumb. I was using a slider on my strings like I was in fucking Slaughter's Fly to the Angels because um, I thought it was being so cool. I had like a delay pedal and I was playing the harmonics of the strings with a slider like to make it sound like they were seagulls, like like Fly to the Angels. So dumb. But hey, we were kids. We were kids. Um, but I have, I still have this tape and I'm going to play if I can if I can get this digitized, I'm going to play a little clip for you right now. So there you go. <laughs> anyway, I took you down this David's cry rabbit hole because I think it's important for you to know that right around this time, Brian and I have been playing music together as friends and as neighbors for a little while. You know, we've gotten closer and closer. First, we went through the Megadeth phase, which I talked about on a previous show, but we're starting to get into really cool sounds, you know, the pumpkins and cool guitar parts and Green Day comes along right at the same time for us and really influences, you know, we're loving Rage, we're loving Alice in Chains, we're loving Soundgarden, we're loving Smashing Pumpkins, all these bands were really into the same stuff. And what does Green Day do? But they come and they take the seriousness out of everything. They make it fun. And they add the pop punk elements to, to what we're feeling as teenagers. And we're like, we need this in David's Cry. We need this in the band. And so we have a conversation with our other cohorts in the band, except for Peter, my best bud, Peter. We Peter had a beautiful. He still has a beautiful singing voice. He was a musical theater kid. He played acoustic guitar. He could sing beautifully. It was a beautiful sound to his voice. You know, he had a great singing voice. And so here we are. We're hearing Billy Joe Armstrong. Is paradise. And we're like, man, Peter's voice is just like too nice. Just too nice. If we're ever going to be a real band, guys, if we're going to take over the world. David's cry is going to go to the next level. <laughs> I hope Brian, if you're listening to this, I hope you're laughing. Peter, if you hear this, I hope I know it was such a hard time, but I'm getting to that. So we talked to the guitar player. We talked to the drummer and we're like, we need to, if we're going to, you know, really take the next recordings and the stuff that we do next to like rock level. And as good as this green day album is, we got to get a new singer. We just have to do it. This is, this is the heartbreak of being in a, a heavy hitting chart topping band like David's cry at our church. We gotta, we gotta get rid of Peter. Who's one of my best friends. So I'll never forget it. It's the most awful moment. We're all over at, I can't remember whose house it was. I think it was Joel's house. We were like in his basement where we practiced and we were there first and Peter was coming later. And we talked to Peter about the changes that we wanted to make in music and, and, and he'd gotten so behind it. He'd done his homework. He was like listening to green day. He was listening to backwater by the meat puppets. He was checking out Nirvana. He was getting into it. He was like, I'm ready. You know what I mean? We hadn't talked to him about the, the, how, pretty his voice was but we told him like we wanted to edge things up and have more fun and do this and do that like this is what teenagers wanted to do 
So we decide we've got to kick him out of the band and he shows up. He's got all this enthusiasm. And I'm telling you, we all sat around and I, I truly, I, tr- this moment is green days dookie. I just think of green days dookie when I think of this moment. Cause I think about before he got there, us like trying to play she off the album, you know, ding, 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 ding. And just being so excited. Like we could do this. We'll either get a new singer or Joel can sing or, We'll do all of us will take turns singing or whatever it's going to be, but we can, we'll, we'll kick ass. Peter shows up and we have to break it to him that we're going to continue on to David's cry, but we're going to get a new singer. And <laughs> this, this moment, it just, it hurts this day. And I'm telling you right now, you should feel bad for Peter because it was shitty. It, we didn't have to do it. We really did it, but we were teenagers. And I'm happy to say that Peter is uh, just a wonderful man. And he, he forgives me. I'm sure he forgives all of us. And it was just a, it was a moment where you think what's in, you think, you know, what's important, but it wasn't anything. We should have just said, David's cry can continue as it is, or we could have started something that we was a different form. You know what I mean? Like we could have, there was just probably a better way to do it. It just didn't matter. It was a church band. But needless to say, David's cry did not last very long once Peter was ousted and it broke his heart. Of course it did. This was his band. He had just recorded with his friends in the church basement to create the album that I showed you. And he was proud and we were, we were making waves at first United Methodist, but here we were. So I told this story because this is the influence that pop punk and fun, goofy alternative music was doing to me. He was making me, it was demystifying being in a band. And I think we talked about that uh, with Evan Thomas Weiss when I did the Intuit Over It episode. We talked a lot about demystifying the songwriting process and making it accessible. And then we also talked about that with Walter Schreifels when he talked about um, the Ramones. This was a recurring theme for people, I think, that are guitarists and want to write songs. You want to write songs and you're being introduced to your instrument through virtuosos. You know, I would imagine if you're like learning how to play drums and you're only listening to Rush or Tool or Slipknot's Joey Jordanson or fucking like those drummers that you're like, how, how, how? They're not human. They're not human. This is impossible. Starting there can make the instrument feel so far away. There's some of us that take the challenge and you go, well, I'm going to I'm going to practice every day five hours until I'm as good. But there's some of us are like. Oh, so overwhelmed and you go, I just want to be able to play with my buds and write songs and have fun and speak to people and share ideas in my head. And that's definitely what I wanted to do. I didn't want to, I didn't want to shred. I wanted to write songs. I wanted to be in a band. I wanted to convey emotion, you know? And so green day and dookie, these albums did this for us as teenagers. And, uh, I hope, I hope that was okay that I told you the David, David's cry story. Um, but yeah, David's Cry split up and uh, we tried to start another band called Hamster and we played at our church a couple times, but it just never was the same, right? The vibe had been killed and uh, we all moved on and did, did different things. I still keep in touch with Brian, who we've talked about him being on, on uh, you know, I've talked about uh, previous episodes where I talked about us as guitarists. He's a big part of my guitar playing teenage years. Brian is like, we were like for a couple years there, you know, we were we were together. And so he means a lot to me when I talk about some of these albums. And then Peter is somebody that we have a lot of bands that we like 
the same. He was all, we, when we were in high school, he was much more of a romantic, you know, he gravitated towards counting crows. That was his biggest band. And I mentioned that on the episode with, with Dan Harmon, um, last episode I met, talked about Peter. So they just kind of showed our different sensibilities, but let's you listen to me talk about it long enough. The, the, the story about this album is it, if you weren't alive in, um, 94 or you're too young to remember, they got shit from the punk community. They got a lot of shit. Green Day got this was the sellout moment for them. It brought pop punk into the mainstream because, of course, punk spans decades before this. And punk is very different from you know, pop punk like this. Really, the people who are laying the way for pop punk or the Ramones, right? Or bad religion, just just like making it accessible making it something that is like you can sing along to like pop songs, but it's got that punk edge and, and rhythm and timing and sound. And this was the ultimate. This is when it when it hits the mainstream. So I know there's probably punk uh, enthusiasts and fans that say Green Day is not punk. You're, I, I know. I know it's not. It is not in the truest sense of the word, a punk band. It is a pop punk band and it's one of the biggest but you can't deny its influence that would then pave the way for the Blink 182s and and create a whole line of guitarists. And there were people like me, like Evan, that were watching what Billy Joe was doing on the guitar and being like, "Hey, I can write songs," just like Walter Schreifels learned from the Ramones, and then went on to form amazing bands every step of the way. So sometimes these points of entry really mean a lot to young people, and they allow them to access their inner muse. They allow them to tap into something without feeling like they're, they're not allowed to. And I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. I hope that right now there is a 12 year old, 13 year old kid who's just gotten a bass or just gotten a guitar, just gotten drums and is either hearing green day and feeling like I could, I could write a song or they're hearing a, a new band that's making them go like it's accessible. And now I can tap into this. I can tap into this, heart energy, this, this enthusiasm for music that I have. So they were, you know, Berkeley band, the cover, that's a very famous kind of where's Waldo of album art. And, um, and you know, Billy Joe said he wanted it to represent where they were. And it was controversial because it was like the, the Berkeley, you know, square and they had bombs dropping on it. And of course, after this, there was all sorts of things that were happening with violence and wars and, you know, school violence. And so it became like, Hey, well, I don't know. We should have that. And then I didn't know this, but there was a, a version of Dookie where on the back, there was a Sesame street, uh, Bert and Ernie on the back. And then they, they took it off, I guess in the U S versions, cause they were afraid that they were going to get sued for parents thinking at least the rumor was they were going to get sued or that people, uh, parents would be like, Oh, is this a lullaby album? And then they'd be in trouble. I don't know. It's probably not not that legit, but this is their first big studio album off of, um, you know, they were on lookout before. And then this is where they switch over because they get courted by um, the guy that they worked with for so, so many years. It is Rob Cavallo. That's the name I was looking for. Rob Cavallo is the guy that really um, meets them when they're younger and they they're 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 nervous up into this point. They've spent like three days, barely any money to get out those first two albums and then in this one, they finally know they've got this studio, it's reprise records, you know, it's going to be produced and he meets him at a Mexican restaurant to talk about it. And he says they're nervous and Trey cool. Isn't even old enough to drink. They're so young. 
And they're, they, they said later, they were just like, we were afraid we were going to screw it up. Like we had money at stake, a label at stake. And, um, and so they were nervous, but, but they came into the studio with all these songs written and they really had the time to dial in the guitar tone, dial in the vocal takes, make sure it sounds good. And it does. It sounds awesome. You kidding me? One of my favorite parts on Green Day's Dookie is when you get to FOD, fuck off and die. One of the last songs before the hidden track. When you get to that song and it's been on the acoustic the entire time, the distortion that comes in, the main riff, that distortion sounds incredible. It is so full. It is so layered. I still refer to that as an amazing kick in of a distortion tone. Incredible sound. And, you know, if you go down the track list, there's there's singles galore on this album. I mean, you have everything from Longview, huge um, baseline. I mean, uh, Mike Durnt, by the way, if you didn't know this, Mike Durnt wrote the baseline to Longview while he was high on LSD. And he was just sitting there kind of noodling around. And that's when it came out. And he was like, listen to this. Is this crazy? And then apparently it took a, a long time for him to kind of like figure out what he was doing and that LSD mindset. But that is the baseline um, of Longview. And uh, yeah, I love that story. But uh, and then you get to Welcome to Paradise. That's probably one of my favorites on the album. And that was if you'd been following them before. Um, Welcome to Paradise was on the previous album. It was on Kerplunk. And so they re-recorded it. And so it's basically the same song, but it just sounds so much better on this album. But I loved watching them perform Welcome to Paradise. Like there was, um, I think it was Woodstock 95. And I loved watching just Billy Joe Armstrong with his guitar low, you know, doing that up and down, like rapid power chords and just the energy, you know, whipping his head. Welcome to paradise. I, I'm happy to say that uh, Temple of the Dads, my 90s cover band, we do Longview. We've also have done Welcome to Paradise. So these are all very fun um, singles that you can do. And then there's Basket Case, which um, I just learned recently that Billy Joe Armstrong wrote Basket Case about having panic attacks, not really knowing that he was having panic attacks at the time, but when he was young, having them and just that state of mind. And the interesting structure of that song is that it starts out, you know, just him by himself with the palm muted guitar and then he doesn't go, you know, unpalm muted until the chorus. And then slowly the drums and the bass are coming in to kind of build that panic feeling, which I think is very cool. Um, and then she, she was written about a poem from his girlfriend, Billy Joe Armstrong's girlfriend, Amanda at the time, I believe. And she had written a feminist poem, shared it with him. And he basically wrote this as kind of a reply to her poem you know, like taking her frustrations and then like writing a song as an answer back to her, calling it the same thing. She, um, and once they split up, she went off and joined the Peace Corps, I believe. And he put it on the album. Um, and then you got song, Sassafash Roots, When I Come Around, another big hit. I have a very specific memory is that video was the three of them just walking with their hands in their pockets in the streets. And um, I remember whenever When I Come Around would like come on at school dances or at some public event, even at my church, like a big church barbecue or something like that. Somebody's playing when I come around and you'd always see like kids with their hands in their pockets, like kind of walking around, like trying to imitate the video. So that was something that I remember was really funny. Um, when I come around coming clean Eminius Sleepus, which is a song on the album written by Mike Dern. Um, in the end, FOD, you know, I don't necessarily have stories on all of these songs. I just, you know, this was the 
the recording of Dookie. And then, of course, one of those memorable hidden tracks of the 90s where you'd get the you'd get the CD and you'd wait past that last song. And then here comes Trey Cool plucking on the guitar and saying, I was all by myself. I was all by myself. It was so funny, right? Here we were teenagers and just talking about jerking off and uh, so funny, so great. And it was just necessary. We just needed to have that outlet. We just needed to have that goofball um, energy, you know? So there's four major singles off of this album, I believe. Yeah. The original title of Dookie was supposed to be Liquid Dookie. It was deemed too gross to call it by that, but they were basically on tour. They were on the road playing shows and they were just saying like how they were eating junk food and bad food all the time, causing them to have diarrhea. And they just started calling it liquid dookie. And so they were going to call the album liquid dookie, but the label was like, no, it's really gross. And so they just called it dookie. (laughs) It's really gross. Um, That's something I don't like talking about. I'm not much for poo talk. I'm not, I, I, I can do poo jokes, but I don't like, yeah. Ew. Um, but Rob Cavallo, there's all sorts of stories about how he like won them over because as they were being courted by these main labels at the time, nobody really got like what they wanted to do. They wanted them to be this more like a after Allison chains grunge, like more of that. Just keep going, keep going. And it wasn't until they met this guy, Rob Cavallo, that he, he played music with them. He like picked up his guitar he like understood they were playing Beatles covers for him. And then the real, that's the relationship that really formed um, kind of the, the, those early green day hits, right? He's a big part of bringing them into the mainstream and really getting their sound right at fantasy studios. But it was such a big deal when the, when this album came out that, you know, that, that place, the 924 Gilman street, which was a famous kind of punk uh, group. They were, they were banned from entering or playing it because it was, their success was viewed as like a sellout thing. So like I'm telling you, they got so much shit for this so much shit because in their first two albums, while they may have been pop punk, they were at least playing by the, um, we're not part of the major labels. Everything's DIY. We're playing these little divey bars and clubs and they had the respect in the early days. And then when they do this, it's like considered no, no, you're, you're out. You're no longer punk. Um, which is fine. You know, Hey, every scene can do what they want, but you know, it doesn't matter. Green day went on to become one of the biggest bands in the world. And even though there was a time where they got quiet in those early two thousands and they came back with American idiot and they're still releasing songs to this day and they're going on tour next year with the smashing pumpkins and rancid. And you know, it looks like a blast. I've actually never seen green day live. Um, I don't believe, I know I've talked a lot about how I've seen these big festival shows and sometimes I'm like, were they on there? But I don't think I ever saw Green Day live. I saw their live concerts like Woodstock and, um, you know, lots of live concerts. They look like a lot of fun, a lot of energy. Still got it after all these years. Um, but yeah, that's I mean, I know I spent a lot of today's time talking about the David's Cry story and you know, that effect that it had on us when we did this, by the way, I think this is kind of cool. I'm drinking this monster energy. Um, it's called tour water and this was given to me. This was sent over and basically this is like uh, very fitting because when they did warped, um, all the bands on the warp tours were like, you know, monster would be sponsoring them and they're like, we can't drink energy drinks in the hot sun in the middle of a tour. 
So they made them Vans Warped Tour tour water. So basically it looks like it's like a like a monster, but it's it's just water in here. And I think they just recently made this like a public thing. So anyway, I, I think it's kind of cool. And you have a drink of it, speaking of which. So I know I spent a lot of time talking about kind of my life at the time, but I don't know, man. It's 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 waterproof records. And it's my show that I think um I'm just I'm almost to 50 episodes in. And sometimes I feel like I got to just relax, you know, like sometimes I feel like I don't realize that when you're making a podcast, um, you don't need to be like, oh, I'm just here to tell you uh, every fact, detail and stat about somebody's recording that that's not necessarily why you would listen to a show. You're listening to it to take you back to this time. And, you know, I don't know what Green Day was like for a lot of you guys or if you're into them, but it was a big one. It's a big moment. I loved it. I listened to it over and over and over again. It's fun. It's still fun. Um, I haven't followed them in a major way um, really after. I mean, I think I got Nimrod and, you know, somebody showed me American Idiot later and I've enjoyed some of the things I've heard here and there and had a lot of fun. I think if I went and saw them live, I'd be able to sing along to a lot of their hits and major songs. But it's not like I've kept up with their career. But they, that little slice of time where they came along, it was a cool, it was a cool, fun moment. And it takes me right back to the heartbreaking moments of David's cry dissolving, but also to just opening the door for me as a musician, songwriter, somebody who wanted to have fun again, to laugh, to joke, to play, to play, to have fun, to play. And let that be my parting thought before we get out of here, which is don't forget to play don't forget to have fun. Don't forget to goof off and laugh. Don't forget to let that part of yourself still be there. That childlike enthusiasm and wonder for silliness. I think we get bogged down the jobs, responsibility, the debts, the the things we have to do, the complications with our children or marriages or whatever it is. We get bogged down and we forget to play and have fun. And I want to encourage you to take that energy that we found when we were listening to Dookie by Green Day, that kind of, um, you know, free, silly, oh, just, <laughs> just, just, just spit, just flew out right in my mouth. Um, just have fun. Anyway, I wanted to share that with you because I care and I love you. So there's a lot of other cool things that I could have gone into about the album um, and the songs pulling teeth, you know, being about the, I think it was about Durnt and his girlfriend in like a pillow fight and him falling and breaking his elbows. It's just kind of a turning around a domestic violence and flipping it around and, uh, just a lot of fun, easy going. It's a, you know, the one thing I didn't know as I was reading more about Dookie was there was a lot of stuff in here about, uh, sexual orientation I don't think I picked up on that. I mean, about Billy Joe Armstrong trying to deal with the fact that he he's bisexual um, and didn't know how to really deal with it. Uh, I think that, that I wish I had paid attention to that more as an, a teenager. I think I could have, I think I could have used like understanding that it's not all that clear, you know, just from where I came up as a, as a teenager as well. And, and the confusions that I felt back then, again, that comes as a problem of not paying attention to lyrics. Like I never do. Starting to now, though, starting to go back and like look at lyrics again because, you know, 
All right. All right. I'm meandering. I'm just having too much fun. It's one of those shows where I kind of just feel like we're hanging out and I don't want the party to end, but I'm going to end it there. So thank you for joining me once again on waterproof records. This was a lot of fun. Um, it was fun to reminisce about green day and dookie and my high school Christian band and just all these great memories. Um, thank you for joining me. I always have so much fun just reminiscing with you. I've got a guest coming up on the next episode that I'm excited about. And then we enter into the holidays. So who knows what shenanigans I'll be up to, but um, make sure to check out distrokid.com slash VIP slash waterproof. Get that 30% off. And again, make sure you're telling people about the show. I can't keep going or I can't grow without you um, liking, sharing, commenting, subscribing, and passing it along to people and being like, Hey, this is a fun thing. Um, I appreciate it. I'd appreciate it if you do. So anyway, thanks again for joining me. Thanks for talking about Dookie by Green Day, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Things are going to change. I can feel it. If this goes be that kind of body, I'm going to... Why are you...